Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me for this amazing Yachtcast, sponsored by Matador. Welcome to the Matador Yachtcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. I have some amazing guests with me. We can talk anything and everything we want to talk when it comes to automotive. But I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Miss Sandy Zanino with me. Sandy, what's up? How you doing? Hey, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> this is going to be fun. This I, is fun. This is going to be fun. I, I, I have the oh-so-knowledgeable. All right, Tom Klein. Tom, how are you doing? I'm great. Good to be here. All right. And I have the master of IT himself, John Acosta. John, what's up, man? Good, man. Thanks for having us. We're going to have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We are, we're, we're down here in sunny Tampa, Florida. Um, you know, I Very seen, sunny. I haven't seen the sun in like four months. So <laughs> guys, like, I got to be honest with you. Like, I'm super stoked to be down here. And it's like, like this, this is going to be awesome. But you know, we're, we're right outside of the Tampa Convention Center where they're going to be having the Digital Dealer Conference. Uh, you guys got a really cool session coming up it's it's kind of like the radio shack of like all sessions it's like you got you got questions we have answers right so 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 i get to kind of play my version of that of that session where i get to ask you guys questions you guys are gonna have to give me answers and what you know we don't have any uh script today so we're just gonna go wherever the heck we feel like going but we're gonna have a lot of fun doing so but before we get into the conversation today you know i love kicking off podcasts with a little origin story a because i'm always fascinated how people get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry so sandy i'll start with you and then i'll work my way over to you, John. Sandy, how did you get started in the automotive industry? Well, in a land far, far away. <laughs> no, it, it, not that. Right? Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> in, in 1998, um, I really kind of fell into automotive, right? As I hear many other women say, mm-hmm. it just kind of happened. It was not my plan. I fell into it and then fell in love with the people that work in this industry really and which is good because I people is my my work that is your right? job that yes. is that is what I do Human. you are the HR expert I am the automotive HR expert <laughs> absolutely That's a, well oh, we're glad we, you fell into it I am glad too you know it, <laughs> it that sometimes you just don't know you think something is maybe not the great the greatest thing but there's always a plan because it works out wonderful. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Tom, yourself, how did you get started in the automotive industry? I'm actually a third generation car guy. Oh, he was born into it. I here was we go. born, yep. So my <laughs> grandfather started in the business in 1925 with uh, the motto of courtesy and fairness. And uh, my father and my uncle and my brother, and we're all in it. So here I am almost 100 years later. My family's wow, been in the man. car business. Wow. That is so cool. That yeah. is so cool. Like you said, you know, people stumble into it, and then there are other people that are born multi-generation. Or forced into it. You can or say how you want. I got conned into it. Um, <laughs> I got lured. <laughs> you got lured. <laughs> I got lured. <laughs> hey, John, how did you get started in the automotive industry? Um, it's kind of an odd story. I have a odd backstory, but um, so I was in the military for eight years, Air Force. And um, left the Air Force and was, um, I invented a product for hospice care back in the day. And my group of investors owned a dealership. I got my rear end and it handed to me in the after palliative care, right? So it wasn't able to, su- to successfully launch that business. But they owned a dealership and the dealership was losing money. So I had a quality assurance background, did some auditing of the dealership. We found, you know, Miami, um, 
debauchery on in the in the place <laughs> and fixed it. <laughs> Took it from selling thirty five cars to one hundred and thirty five. Fell in love with the business, with the car business, and then um, once that project tied up, um, I I became very good friends with um, our founder of VTech. And he invited me to come on to the company to help grow the business. So I've been doing it for the last eight years. And man, wow, love man. all IT systems, <laughs> love all systems in general as, as far as the car business goes. We love his his before and after pictures are awesome. Are yeah. <laughs> it's like Spaghetti <laughs> Junction and then oh so clean. Oh, I've seen some of those. It is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's so satisfying. Let's just say that. All right. Hey, guys, uh, we I get to ask the question. So I want to kick it off, you know, with um, let, let's, let's ask the question around pivot. Because you know that's a word that we've only used a million times in the last two years. I got to be honest, with you, I've used the word pivot more in the last 24 months. I think collectively I have my entire lifetime, and probably even beyond. Like that's just it, collectively, I will probably use it last two years more than anything. So, so the industry really has kind of pivoted, right? And there's so many ways to pivot. We pivoted in technology, all right. We pivoted in the way we with our staff and and how large our staff is, and and what and what that and what that means to the operations. We we pivoted in technology. Like there's just so much there. So I'd love to kind of get your guys' thoughts on how you think. Uh, what is the biggest pivot you? seen, I guess, in the last 24 months. Sandy, I'll start with you and I'll work my way down. Starting with me. Yes. I'm going to put right. you in the hot seat. So, <laughs> uh, when you say pivot, I, when I think about 2020, I actually think it was like a whirling dervish there for a while. <laughs> That's true. Right? Like around and around. And which way are we going? Um, you know, I I hope, and, and, and I hope that it's, because a pivot is kind of like a half turn. Yes. Right? Um, I would love to see uh, one of the things that I'm so passionate about diversity, equity, inclusion, mm -hmm. be a real, a real turn, right? Like really turn around. Um, and I, I really do believe that dealers are going to have to do that. Well, I feel like the awareness in the last couple of years has definitely increased. And, and I don't know if that happened, that has to do with maybe the industry slowing down a little bit and we're able to spend a little more time on, on, on topics that we don't normally get a chance around to, but it feels like there's a lot more conversation going around that. I would absolutely yeah. agree with that, Jason. And I mean, we talked about it the, the last time we were together yeah. and um, now it's time to actually, you know, to take some action. Yes. You know, and, and make some, some steps toward making change. Well, I, I think that's a good change, and let's hope that change is going to continue. That's a good snowball change, and that snowball change is going to continue. Tom, for yourself, what's the biggest, biggest pivot you've seen in the last 24 months? I think, um, and this is not necessarily a good pivot, but um, everything that's new is also old because the car business is such a business of the basics. Sure. And what I have seen is, even though there's a lot of talk about taking care of the customer, I still don't see dealerships taking care of customers the way they should. And I'll give you two examples. Number one, Napleton Automotive was just fined $10 million. And if you read the Federal Trade Commission um, press release, they did a survey, uh, and then in the survey, 83% of their customers that they were surveyed said that they did something wrong, and that they wow. added products into their loan that they didn't know about. That's crazy, 83%. Uh, another example I'll give you is Vroom, uh, and I don't remember whether you and I have talked about yeah, this, either on camera or off, but uh, the Texas Attorney General just filed a suit against Vroom because 
they have thousands of customer problems that they're not handling. Mm -hmm. And so back to the basics, take care of the customer problems. And this is a risk mitigation issue because, as well as a sales issue, right? Because you want customers to buy more cars from you. Exactly. But you also want to keep the regulators off your back. So taking care of customers and taking care of employees is the way to do that. That's 80% of a dealership's problems. And I do see a lot more emphasis on that. You know, I think not, and not just because of the headlines that are coming out in the news. I just think as an industry, I think we're becoming more aware of it, you know, and there's, I think, a lot more conscious or let's call it intentional conversations happening around that. So I agree it's, with you. I think it's, it's a great pivot. And again, another snowball of change that I hope continues to maintain. Yeah. John, for yourself, what's the biggest pivot you've seen in the last 24 months? I mean, I would say the strengthening of adaptability, right, and resilience of the of the dealer body. And man, I've just uh, like I'm I'm part of a you know a group modern in modern day modern day car sales in Clubhouse. Meet every morning at six forty five in the morning. Yes. <laughs> and no, it's just like Shout the out. coolest group of people on the planet. You know, people from all different types of backgrounds that are adapting to the current challenges at hand. That really have the you know the the best interests of their organization and their people at heart. And you just see like it's just. It really is inspiring and how much it cemented my resolve to maintain myself in this industry and, and plow forward because it, the, there's some inspiring stories out there and people's ability to adapt, to overcome challenges, to take care of their people, to really go after it is really a beautiful thing and, it, and it's, been on, it's been awe-inspiring this, this, for the past two years. I, I agree. Look, I, I, again, another snowball of change that I hope we just kind of continue yep. to go on. Now, one, one of the things that I've seen, you know, from a, a pivot perspective, which I think has a, a lot to do w with technology and people, you know, and it, it has, has, has to do with the way our teams interact with each other. You know, um, look, we're running now with smaller teams than we ever have in the past. You know, processes really be kind of become king you know, so the, because we're running with smaller teams, I find the, the inner communication of these teams just kind of organically became tighter, which I don't think was necessarily the case prior to the pandemic, where, you know, you saw the, the sales department, the F&I department, and the, the BDC and the service, you know, almost use smoke signals to communicate yeah. back and forth with yeah. each other. Now, I think because we're just such a, a lot of dealerships are running with smaller teams, we're, we're tighter and that conversation is tighter. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on how, uh, how that has affected kind of the internal operations running with these smaller teams. Uh, I'll start with you, John, and then I'll work my way down to Sandy. So I've got a weird perspective of this, right? <laughs> because I literally implement a product called Microsoft Teams, right, and dealerships. There you go. And so what's, what's happened is like this almost maturation of the communication process inside the dealers, right? Mm -hmm. So you can have these channels where you have like all sales staff, all accounting staff, all the parts, all the service, and everybody's cross-communicating through the platform. So it's become, you know, that cross-pollination that happens at the dealership, and you can really actually see the dealership ecosystem working as a whole. It's yes. like getting tighter, yes. and you can use these productivity tools as, as like leveraging good habits and you can look at the look at the bad habits at its core and eliminate them immediately. So it's like this beautiful process of maximizing everybody's potential and then maximizing their engagement and maximizing the communication throughout the organization, which is creating a higher ability to to maximize like random encounters, right? So yeah. people will like communicate through gifts or memes and then it, like running jokes and then it creates <laughs> this community sense throughout through, throughout the organization and it's just like this really empowering thing and you know from the military is like 
when you went through some stuff together, you went through some really crappy hard stuff together, it just creates this bond amongst team members that's really True. cool to see. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Tom, for yourself, how do you think this? I'm, I'm hoping, and, and haven't seen it myself, but I'm hoping that the increase, that there's an increased camaraderie, which diminishes the we didn't do anything wrong program. Mm, there we go. Yeah, I like that. Right? Because lots of people at dealerships were like, we didn't, this isn't my, this isn't my department's problem. This is your problem and you fix it. Uh, which goes back to, you know, taking care of the customers, right? So um, I'd say that's part of it. And then uh, the other part is making sure that in that process of we did nothing wrong as a dealership, the customer still gets taken care of. So it's both departmental and from a from a cultural perspective. I like that. That's that's, that's a very very good observation. I like that, Sandy. For yourself, well, I'm struck by something that John said, right? And well, actually, a department that you mentioned, accounting. It's often not. It's often forgotten about as as part of the ecosystem True. of the dealership and you can't live without accounting right <laughs> ain't gonna happen you no. can't you know and, paychecks and it really well not not just that they pay everything everything right. i worked it in accounting the, it for is many the brain years. of course yeah. i mean you know but it, it is the everything in a dealership and so often um sometimes forgotten and they're so i love this idea of having a communication system that makes it easier to communicate because I believe what you said to 100%. be completely true, John, yeah, that right. when people go through things together and feel like they are really part of a cohesive team, that and, and also that what I do matters to what you do mm. because yes. sometimes, you know, I mean, I love dealers, right? But sometimes there there is a disconnect, <laughs> right? A There's one. a disconnect, which... Really? Goes a little bit into what <laughs> what what Tom said. I I didn't do it. I didn't do it, Your Honor. It's not my job. Somebody else has the keys. It's not my RO. I didn't. You know. So I, I love the idea of of an ecosystem. Yeah. A communication well, ecosystem. I it is it. a communication ecosystem, and I like the fact that we're kind of going down this rabbit hole because I think the communication ecosystem goes beyond just internally, and it's like how do we bring our customer into that ecosystem yeah. you know uh, something very fascinating because you know i've recently purchased a truck that you know i had to wait for right it wasn't available I, I i had to wait you know only six six eight weeks for the truck better than six to eight months for the truck but that communication to me during that six to eight weeks solidified all right, my loyalty to that dealership, 100%. Sure. They were on point. All right, I had a question, they had an answer. I, I actually sold myself several products because, <laughs> well, because the time was stretched out, right? Sure. So it was easy for me you to- kept upgrading yourself. 100%, it was easy for me to kind of text back the dealership and say, hey, look, you know what? I think I do want to do that tonneau cover and the running boards, can you add that? And then parts jumps in, they send me a bill for it. Do you want to add to the finance? Yeah, sure, okay, we'll let Sue the service, we'll let Sue the finance manager know and she'll add it to your bill of sale. It was just like, I just felt connected through communication to this dealership um, and, and and I, and I feel like it was very unique, and I don't know if it was done intentionally or if it was just kind of a byproduct of them just running such a smaller team and, re and requiring a closer uh, communication ecosystem with themselves that it became a byproduct to their, to their uh, customers. But I'd love to kind of get you guys' thoughts of how do we kind of, I guess, stretch out 
our communication ecosystem to our customer. How do we stay connected to our customer over some of these very long wait times that we're, we're seeing? And we're going to see, this is not going to change anytime soon. You nope. know, for specific vehicles, for very certain uh, manufacturers, there's going to be some seriously long wait times. So, Sandy, I'll start with you and I'll work my way down. Okay, so the, the front of the house and the customer touch points are not where I live, right? Yep. However, I do think it's, it's really um, important for everyone to remember how important that is because your customers are not just your customers, they're also your candidates. Yes. Right, so. I like that. Um, I just think that it's important as, as dealers are figuring out those different touch points, which obviously are get, uh, need to change and have more. I think it's great that you had this long, <laughs> you ha well, it's not great that you had this long wait for your car or your but truck. But it actually created a better experience. I mean, but I, it, was, I was annoyed by it at first, but now it's created a, a better experience. Right. And, and maybe one day you'd be like, you know what? I could work with these people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. you've gotten to know them a little bit. So yes, hundred percent. Tom, for yourself, how do you think we kind of bring that customer into that communication? ecosystem so over the past three weeks I went car shopping myself oh yeah how'd that go <laughs> I went to seven dealerships of which one asked me my name Jeez. Uh, one salesman introduced himself not one salesman when they didn't have the product I asked for and these were at Kia Hyundai these are Toyota I mean you know just some of the n nothing fancy um, they, nobody tried to switch me. I switched myself. Volkswagen was another one. Okay. Uh, I switched myself because they didn't have what I want in stock. So I said, well, let's go look at the, this one. Sure. Um, there's been no follow-up, uh, no phone calls. Uh, it, the salesmen have gotten complacent because they're order takers at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that the dealers recognize that this is the trend at the moment and starts training those salesmen from the again, the car business has always been a business of the basics. You got to do the basics right. It's all blocking and tackling. And the first thing they need to do is go back to the basic on how to sell a car. Yes, hundred percent. That's a good. That's a very very good point. Um, you know, this is uh, the time that I think we in our industry where we're going to start seeing the cream rise to the top. You know, we're really seeing who the real operators are, you know, versus Absolutely. ones that I think really kind of got by with their brand and the loyalty to the brand itself. You know, I, I think you're seeing people that are like, look, I'm going to use this time. I'm going to use this kind of maybe newfound, you know, opportunity to generate new processes to create better communication, both internally and with my, uh, w with my customers. John, for yourself, how do you think we bring the customer into that communication ecosystem? I think, um, you know, just to, you know, Obviously, I have bias in this, but through technology in, in some capacity, yeah. and the proper leveraging of that technology. I've got a couple of dealer groups that, um, you know, have leveraged technologies like Update Promise, right, for service communication. And what what they found is that through constant communication on a regular basis, the experience for the customer becomes um, a lot richer. And there's there's a relationship that's built, right? We've mm -hmm. all built these relationships with people with consultants on Zoom or on WhatsApp or whatever that looks like. This yep. massive communication is just becoming, you know, meeting the customer where they are at that moment, right? And then I think in another capacity, like the the use of social media is like how like Patrick Brown or Alex Flores, these guys export the culture of the organization through their cell phone, right? It's like, good, I can, like, if, if Tom's like, hey, you guys, we're here at the, you know, we're here at the sales tower, and Tom, we're about a car today, and you're talking to, you're exporting that culture, and people are saying, hey, it's not as scary to meet with, you know, with Tom or with Sandy, like, at the dealership and having those communications. Like, the dealership is no longer confined to the walls of the store. Yeah. 
Yes. It's the ecosystem. And I, I keep going back to this. I'm a systems guy, right? So I always well, go back you, to like how you connect the dots. How you connect the dots and how you look at the larger ecosystem of the organization. How do you export that as effectively as possible? No, I think that's a good. And, point. I love the, and I love the fact that you brought up culture because I think that's a perfect segue kind of into my next question for you guys because, you know, I've kind of found that there has been a internal staff culture, then there is a culture that I want to maintain with my customers, and they don't always align. And I personally, and I could be wrong, and then that, you know, I, I don't believe that should be the case. I think that the company needs to have one culture, and it's a culture that both you know customer and staff get behind. But I'd love to kind of get your thoughts. Sandy, I'll start with you, and I'll work my way down. Well, I love anything, any topic about culture, right? <laughs> yeah. Any topic yes, about culture. Yes, we know. <laughs> and, you know, culture, and as far as when we're talking about the workplace, the best definition, and I probably said this the last time mm -hmm. we talked, if we talked about culture, is that what is it like to work around here? And that yes. could be different for for different departments, right? Mm -hmm. Because in, in every, even in dealer groups, I, I have groups that with, you know, three or four stores three or four different general managers, and there is a distinct culture yes. at each of those stores. You know, hopefully there is a, a corporate culture overall, right, that, that is based in, your, in the company's core values mm -hmm. that then show up as stories that, that you can tell in mm -hmm. the dealership, right, and, and that people can see. So when it's integrity, a customer can then say, yes, I see that on their website, which as my friend Carrie Wise says is the the dealership is an extension of your website, right? 100%. So when they see your core value integrity and a customer can say, yep, I know that because of blah, 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 blah story that happened, right? So then it can, you can connect those those dots, you know? So anyway. No, no, I, I, that's I'm, my I'm culture. No, but you're right though. I mean, look, culture really is kind of defined by a series of stories, you know, like um, I, um, I was actually at a dealership uh, waiting for a dealer principal to kind of be done with this meeting so I can sit down and kind of do my one-on-one -on -one with them. And I watched a technician uh, leave the back of the dealership to come to the front of the dealership to get on all fours, to crawl underneath the customer's car to look at something. And I don't particularly care what that was, but I can guarantee you right now that's not going to show up on an RO. All right, I took a picture of it. I immediately sent it to the dealer principal. I said, this is a moment that I, you know, and, and here's the thing, I, look, I, when I had my dealership, I was guilty of this 100%. I did not do a good job of celebrating those small moments. I did not do a good job of that, all right? I celebrated the end of the month. That's what I did, all right? Yeah. And I feel like that is a celebration not only for the customer, but also for the dealership, and those are the things that we're talking about. Those stories, Absolutely. that's those, what makes a difference, yep. 100%. Tom, for yourself? Um, I would say that the dealer principal may have his ideals that he passes on, but has he ever checked behind what he thinks is happening mm. to know what's happening? You think right? that's why there's two separate cultures? There's one for the staff and one well, for the Well, there the could customers. be, but, right. but, but he doesn't check, you know, he or she doesn't check it, right? If, if you don't right. check and you don't audit, you don't know. That's Good point. That's like that. part of risk, right? Culture audit. To, Is that what we gotta do? Right. And right. I mean, Sandy, I'm sure, can talk more <laughs> more eloquently than I about employee surveys and what are good in employee surveys and what are bad and how do you do them and all the all those specifics of which that is not my area of expertise. But if you think you know what's going on, maybe you do. But when was the last time you checked Glassdoor, right? Mm -hmm. Which 
glass door can be a key to what your employees really think. And employees can be your greatest asset, but they can also be a liability when they go to the EEOC because they feel discriminated against, yes. or they feel like you're not treating them fairly, or any number of, obviously, regulatory agencies. So, And, and that obviously affects the culture in a big way. Like It, sure. it really does. It goes to those stories. Stories can go both ways, right? That's right. It can be both negative and positive. Look, I love to kind of get the IT guy's perspective on this because I'm going to say right now, most IT guys <laughs> I know, now I'm going to believe John is not one of these guys, but I would say most <laughs> IT guys I know, they're like, culture? Culture, is it, is it zeros and ones? I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't put one and one together. What's a yogurt? So I'm culture. It's own yogurt. I'm, I'm a bit of an oddball when it comes to this stuff, right? Awesome. It's like, I think that... Um, you know, the, there's dissonance between those two questions. And when there's dissonance between those two scenarios, excuse me, is that it's like what the culture is, mm. right? And what the culture we what the culture looks good on paper, right? In, in some capacity, right? It's the like verbal checkboxes. It, it, yeah, it's like, yes. hey, okay, like value and integrity and blah, let's say that. And, and then what's happening inside of the company is what it actually is. And I, and I think this, this really points to the speed of the dealer, the speed of the leader is speed of the dealer, right? But like also that. the dysfunctions of the leader are the dysfunctions of the dealer. And, and so you see leaders that are, you know, so you, you hear these guys, David Long, you know, Patrick Abad, you know, Kevin Deutsch, like you hear these guys and you walk into their dealerships and it's undeniable. You can't. You walk in the dealership and you see the texture of the place. You have it has a vibe to it. And why does it? It's not Definitely. coincidence that these guys aren't tyrannical. They don't lose their minds. They're not throwing chairs across the showroom. They're not, you know, old school like whatever that is. But they're guys that take care of their people. They're guys that are constantly learning. That are working on. Can we cuss on this podcast? Hundred percent. They're working on their shit, right? They're they're doing some self discovery, right? They're reading some books. They're doing some stuff, and that reverberates throughout the organization. And not only that, attracts people that have that same culture and vibe into the organization. Because you don't resonate with people that you don't share core values with, and they won't come into your company, or they they'll come in, they won't stay. And that's the lasting power and the momentum that you have of, of the organization is really powerful thing. Ryan Sotokoff is a great example Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. he, he's Ryan's a great, a great guy, right? He's Absolutely. A, he's be, I would love to work, you know, live in you know, the middle of Virginia and work for that guy because he's, there's, you, know, you have this fi family vibe. You walk into the place, and, and it has that culture to it. So I think that's, that at, a, at a core, that's what it is. You know, a dealer yeah. has a culture whether they know what it is or that's not. That's so true. Right? right. Like yes. either, either it is what their core value state or it isn't or somewhere in between and for me one of the best ways to know if you have maybe if you want if you have a little problem if you want to know that ask yourself if your current employees are referring their friends and family to come and work for you because oh, okay, I like that's that. A great, that's yeah. a great because one. Because if they're not, yeah. I come up with a good one every once in a while. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, good one. that's a good one. I think you come up with more. <laughs> <laughs> because if they're not, then you need to find out why. 100%. Right. That, that, is, uh, that is really, really good. Hey, guys, I know we're getting towards the telling of our conversation, uh, but I, I do want to finish off with one one more question. Um, it's, we're on a roll here, and I feel like we could easily go another hour if we wanted <laughs> to. Uh, but, we, hey, we're, we're here. It's Digital Dealer Tampa. Man, um, there's so much to consume. There's so much, uh, so much amazing thought leaders here. There's so much to learn. If, if there's one thing that anybody's attending that you hope they take away with, and put into action at their dealership, what would that be? John, I'll start with you, and then Sandy, I'll finish with you. It's a community, man. All right. Like, this is this community out here is some of the coolest people around. Like, I love being part of this. I love the momentum that's in it. I love how people have their backs. How the, I love the, like, 
Sunday afternoon conversations on your w drive back. I know somebody specifically that does that calls another dealer principal and gives them coaching one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions because they just <laughs> like the the person. Like, there's a community here, and let's protect it. Let's grow it. Let's really show you know the U.S. what the, what we're made of. And I think there's some really cool change happening. 100%. Can we like sing it. Kumbaya now? Yeah, oh, I know. There we go. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Let's <laughs> yeah, do it. Goes, all I know is all we need is love. Like that. Oh, yeah. there we go. We we're, we're, uh, but we're going to fade away with the podcast with that song. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, yacht, the Yacht Cast. The Yacht, the yacht Cast. The, the I told you, I'm on a yeah. piano. It's like I feel like I'm That's at right. the piano bar. That's right. Tom, for yourself, what's one thing you hope everyone takes away with? I hope everyone will hone their skill on how to ask a question. Ah, all right, I, there we go. I think it's a very underutilized tool that we all have to be able to ask the right question and to not be afraid to ask the question. Willingness, yes. The willingness, willingness. to the willingness to ask and stand up and and just say, "Hey, I don't understand this and what what do I do in this situation?" Um, I know a lot of I mean, I've attended a lot of conferences over my years. And um, I didn't see enough of that. So I hope people who are attending will really be bold and ask whatever's on their mind. Because yes. everyone here, everyone here, and I know a lot of them, but I don't know all of them, but we're here to help. We, we, want, to, we want to help. And so I would just encourage them to do that. That's awesome. You know, the, the, the automotive community is a very tight you know, a community and uh, very, very willing to help each other out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so no, I'm with you. I think that's a, that's a great one. Sandy, for yourself? Well, I when I think about the two panels, right, there's the DEI panel and then there's Tom's panel on Tuesday. And I there are going to be answers given and actionable items. And I hope that somebody takes something away from from that in order to begin to make a change, right? Change Changing the heart of our industry Ooh, so like that. that we can change the culture and and the face of our industry. You're looking for a heart change. Right? I like that. Well, I am looking for <laughs> oh, a heart change. You know why? Because I want our industry to stay here, mm -hmm. and the generations that are coming are not very interested in coming into automotive. It's a great point. And um, I, I'm, I hope to make some of that change. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey guys, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been so much fun. You guys, you, you guys have yourself an amazing day. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Jason. Thank, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Matador Yachtcast with your host Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at matador.ai to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.